Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. New week. Happy Thanksgiving week, folks. I have no idea what the podcast schedule is going to be this week, but we're giving you one on Monday, November 21st. Jack, Aram, Just Baseball Show. We're going to talk about the non-tendered guys. Really riveting stuff in late November. Uh, We're also going to hit some buzzwords in free agency that I think are objectively funny as hell, and we'll see uh, if if you guys agree they are that funny. Uh, But there is something not baseball-related that I want to hit off the top. But first and foremost, how's Florida? It's 20 degrees in Indy. Um, Dude, honestly, rained every second of the day today. It was nice the first couple days, but... Got the thunderstorms rocking, so did not get off the couch. Just uh, watch baseball or watch baseball, watch football while I wrote up the the best Bowman prospects to hunt in 2022 Bowman Chrome. So for my card collectors out there, look out for that on the website. But yeah, it's it's rainy season right now. Who did you send me? You sent me Kevin Maiton, Marcel Antuna. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that that was unrelated. That was unrelated. I was sending you the. The funniest one of ones I could find. And I did find uh, Kevin Maiton, uh, Yasel and Tuna, all those guys, multi-million dollar international free agents and their cards. You could probably buy for about four bucks now. Yeah. So uh, our, our friends at our friends at eBay, of course, have all these one of ones and Yasel and Tuna, um, 3,500 bucks for his one of one. There is like a, zero. which is way too, which is crazy. I, I wouldn't buy it for 15. Yeah. That I mean, the there's a 0% price. chance he makes the big leagues, right? I would say zero, which is which is really sad. How much did he sign for? Five mil? I think so. It was more than 3.9 3. 3.9 3.9 million. 3.9 million. Kevin Maiton for four million. Kevin Maiton was was a dude for a minute. Shows you how tough international free agency can be. Uh and, and it's crazy because a lot of the non-tender guys, or at least some of them are, you know, like former uh, top prospect type of guys, international free agent type of guys where it's like, do you take a chance on them? But I would say like in this instance, a lot of the players that we're looking at right now are are probably more talented than our, our typical non-tender deadline. I don't know if it's if it's a little bit of recency bias, but it just feels like this is a very riveting, like not even sarcastic. Like this is an exciting group of non-tendered players that are going to be just hitting free agency and maybe we should explain it for those who might not totally understand how the non-tender deadline works yeah so and before we actually explain it i will say 
the the guys that are non-tendered are I'm kind of half explaining it right now, but the guys that are non-tendered are, are bottom of the barrel on the major league roster. Like you don't want them on the team next year. That's how non-tendered generally speaking. Works. Generally speaking. So the way non-tendered works is obviously you've got guys that have agreed to free agent deals. They're on the team through the duration of the deal else or else you're going to cut ties a la Jason Hayward, where you're still going to be on the hook for $22 million. Yeah. Pre free agency, when you're going through the pre-arb or the arbitration process, you don't hit that. You have the option to tender a contract to anybody. So any pre-arb player on your 40-man roster will make the league minimum, which is going to be 700K, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So here we are, like any guy that's pre-arbitration is going to make 700K if you tender a contract to them. If you tender a contract to a guy in arbitration, then that means you enter the arbitration hearing and you have to have yeah. that dialogue. You have to agree to a one-year deal or you have an arbiter decide your value. I, I'm sure uh, a lot of you understand like how arbitration actually works in a vacuum. You and yeah. your agent throw out a number that you think you're worth. The team throws out a number that they think you're worth. And then you either meet in the middle or you go to an arbiter who sides with one of those two sides. Yeah. If, and Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, if, if neither thing happens, pre-arb or an arbitration, if you don't want to pay a pre-arb guy $700,000, or if you don't want to go through arbitration, you have the right to not tender them a contract. If a guy is non-tendered, that means that he was not extended in offer for arbitration or the league minimum, and he enters free agency. And, and the important part is, you know, when when you're going through maybe year two, year three of arbitration, guys that have played well in the past, you know, they're more expensive. And it, even if you have a great year, and you you really get that arbitration value up, which is never going to be totally up to par usually with with how good a player is. No matter how bad you are the subsequent year, you're still going to gain uh, at least some sort of amount from that base pay that you had the year before. So an example would be Cody Bellinger. Uh, he doesn't get tendered. We're ta- we'll talk about him as, as an option, but just using him in this instance, he won the MVP. So when he went to arbitration, his value was so much higher. And, and now that he's struggling... It, there was just no way that the Dodgers could justify paying him $18 million, which is, you know, what after the baseline value that they set for him, you know, through arbitration in years prior, now that he's been so bad, you, you just can't give him that deal. Most of the time, though, an MVP three years later is still an MVP caliber player. So this is a rare instance. I don't even know when else we could ever really. I don't know if there's ever been another instance where, where an, an MVP is, is eventually non-tendered before they hit free agency. So it, it, it is one of those rare situations. Usually it's more about the roster spot and teams really have to figure out whether it's worth the roster spot or it's a guy that's right on the brink, like a Brian Anderson with the Marlins, where it's a cheaper team. Five million dollars is more notable to them. Brian Anderson is worth the roster spot at the league minimum, but for five million. Probably Maybe not. not for them. So, you know, right. th- that's just another little bit of of background, I guess, on what goes into these decisions, because you'll notice that there's some decent players in, in this list and there's some decent players that uh, should be available. Yeah. So you got a guy like Bellinger who might make 10 this coming year. And then you've got a guy like Ben Deluzio with the Cardinals who was going to make 700K. He's a pre-arb guy, but the roster spot just didn't make sense for the Cardinals to keep Deluzio. They have other outfielders that they want on the 40 man. So they did not tender him a contract. Um, we will get to the non-tendered list, but first my non-baseball thing, 
I understand that like this is a common thought, but I derive a lot of enjoyment from watching Zach Wilson struggle for the Jets. Um, like he's I don't the, know why. He's the kind of guy that I feel like would ask Santa for shutter shades for Christmas. You know what I mean? Like wear the Steph Curry jersey and the elite socks and, and the the slides with the foam bottoms. He does look like that. He does um, look like that. And then how about post game when, you know, somebody asked, do you feel like you let your defense down? They only allowed three points. And he answered, no, no, I don't feel that way. Like th- this guy, I just don't like him. I don't like watching him what, play football. And he, what's the MLB comp that game. What's the MLB comp? It's not Donaldson. I know we want to comp people we don't. <laughs> Donaldson's like to Donaldson. too good. Yeah. I. What is the MLB comp? Is there any crazy, cocky, confident dude that just is not good that's young? That's a great question. I don't think so. Baseball's too humbling, man. You yeah. just can't get away with it. It's just, it's just impossible. I mean, maybe I'm sure someone listening, if you're listening to this, well, obviously you'd be hearing me right now. Yeah. Whoever's listening to this, if someone comes to your mind, tweet at us, tweet at me or Jack and, and give MLB us some names comp for Zach Wilson. Yeah. MLB comp for Zach Wilson attitude wise and, and performance wise, but, but we want that blended in, not just crappy player that's young and not meeting expectations. No, I, I, I want, want the, like, I want the personality side too. I want yeah. that in there too. I want talk um, to talk, but doesn't walk the walk. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm trying to think. I I can't think of an example of that again, because baseball is just like too humbling. If anybody's going to be a pitcher that can maybe get away with that a little bit more. And, and that would be the one, but I, not that I can think of right now. It could have been Karen Jack. It could have been Karen Jack. If he didn't bounce back the way he did this year, um, which is another guy. I know you don't mind watching and give up nukes every once in a while. So uh, I would say that's the best comparison, but he was nails this year. So uh, I, I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to wait and see what tweets we get on that one. Yeah. I'm not sure. So th- that was just my quick thought here. Um, there are a couple other things that I want to address uh, before we get to the non-tendered list. It's free agency verbiage, which is just the weirdest thing ever. Um, Mm -hmm. there were a couple of great buzzwords and I want to start with the Mariners have quote checked in on Trey Turner, according to Jim Bowden. What does checked in mean? Well, so have I, I I checked in as well. Yeah. I I went to his baseball reference. Does that kind of check? Exactly. I checked in as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because it's like, it's, it's kind of shields them from, you know, if you're too, the more specific you are, the more likely it is that your report can be refuted. So if you just say checked in and they say, oh, no, like, you know, we, we haven't done much, you know, whatever. But you could literally say, oh, yeah, but I according to my source, you guys like mentioned that you might reach out to his agent or, you know, you, that you might check in. It's like, that's it. Checked in. Um, that That's that's a classic one. That's a classic one. Another one showing interest. Uh, according to John Morosi, the Giants are showing interest in Kenley that's- Jameson. That's an even crazier one because showing interest is even more ambiguous and like checked in again. You you have to at least check in showing interest could literally be like, hey, you know, we're kind of interested in this guy. It mean literally nothing. Yeah. Talking to Gabe Kapler at the Starbucks while he's on Zoom with Farhan Zaidi, like, hey, what do you think of Aaron Judge? Oh, yeah. Great player. Does that mean that the Giants are showing interest in Aaron Judge? Yeah, you know, I, I would say, technically speaking, they're showing interest. I, th- that's the crazy thing is I could tweet those buzzwords like Giants showing interest in Aaron Judge. And like, I can't be told I'm wrong for that. And yeah. like, obviously, I'll get clowned for that because it's like such a big scoop that obviously one of the bigger guys would have it. But like, 
it's funny how you can just do that. And I do feel like certain guys, I don't want to say a specific name, um, but certain guys just do that like every once in a while, either recycle the same kind of like update or just use those generalities to just have something that like kind of keeps their reporting prevalent. If that makes sense. Does it not um, do dumb numbers, Just because people though? are so desperate for crumbs. They're, they're, it does dumb numbers because people are so desperate for crumbs. So it's like, uh, you know, they're showing even more interest now or whatever it is. Like I, I, you'll, you'll see, you'll see how certain writers do it. If you're listening, like now you'll be more like pay attention to it a little bit more. How many times do you see the same report or the same thing rephrased in different ways? Yeah. And then a, a link to a story on it. That is exactly the same as you read it the first time and the second time. Yeah. So how about top priority? That's another buzzword here. Uh, Jose Abreu, apparently a top priority for the Padres, according to JP Morosi. Uh- that one's a little better. Um, yeah, Morosi, that's funny timing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little better if if he is indeed a top priority, I guess, right? Like that's a little bit better because that tells you that that's one of the main guys they wanted. But you know, also who who reported that Rizzo was a top priority for the Astros and they signed with the Yankees the next day? Like maybe he was a top priority. But again, how feasible is the signing? Otherwise, I don't really care. Yeah, how about spoken with? I Ken Rosenthal, like – Ken, Ken, Ken Rosenthal is the word of God. Um, The Mets have spoken with Justin Verlander, according to Ken Rosenthal. I believe that. I believe. Yeah, that that holds some value. I think that holds maybe the most value. Spoke. I mean, they talked to him. They didn't ask him, you know, how his weekend was, I'd assume. Spoken with is good. Yeah, fair. Um, How about a Struble Cabrera throwing a haymaker? In the uh, in the Venezuelan Winter League, that was electric. That has nothing yeah. to do with free agency, but that just came across again. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I don't, I, if he did want to try to make a comeback, I don't know if that helps much. Um, yeah, that was that was something, right? He pimped the home run, like so. It, apparently, it was this dude's. I don't know who hit it. It was his third homer of the game, and obviously, he was juiced up. The pitcher started barking at him on his way to first, and as this guy rounds first, Estrubal Cabrera comes out of nowhere, just tries a haymaker. Punch. Problem is he hits him with his forearm. It's not even a fist. He goes down because obviously a professional athlete and a 15 year vet like a Struble Cabrera is going to have good forearms. And, you know, a swing of that club is, is going to be good regardless of, you know, where exactly it impacts you. But I thought that was weird. You know, he had the opportunity to blindside hit the shit out of somebody and he didn't even connect the fist. He went forearm. Yeah, it was a weird one. Also, like, why are you so rattled? It's the winter league, and he pimped a home run. Like, get, get over it. It's okay. Uh, the yeah, the crowds there are electric. electric. Yeah, the crowds are electric. Like that. That's why I'm surprised. You saw the home run by Gerard Encarnacion, where like he it was a walk off, and he was still in the batter's box getting mobbed before he even. Did. You know, jogged around the bases, like the environment, the crowd is so into it. I was doing digging through some video late last night, looking at Ellie De La Cruz out there, the Reds prospect. And oh, good. I was just like, man, this environment is so freaking cool. It's on the top of my bucket list. But, you know, if you get some some fights in there, too, I mean, this is this is must see TV. Like this is something that we got to make our way out there next year. But, um, yeah, sucker punch rounding first. Could you imagine if that happened in in, in our league, in Major League Baseball? I mean, that that's that's what, what 25, 40 games. 40 games? I have no uh, idea. Maybe it would be it would be on You have you have those you, you have some things. You, you'll have some old white riders just throwing up in the press box just cuz this is not the game that they grew up watching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bruce Levine in Chicago leaves crying. <laughs> 
feeling disrespected by the game of baseball. Um, yeah, my- I'll I'll never forget the Niger Morgan, you know, charging the mound gets leveled by Gabby Sanchez and my my boys Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton on the call crushed it, just crushed it. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. Like you got to have fun with it. You got to have fun with it. And, you got to go just, boxing mode. Yeah, you have to. Not just like this is disgusting. Like, like yeah, I guess. But if everyone's all right, like let's have some fun. Come on. Yeah. Like my thing is, so the way Dallin Cuff put it, Dallin Cuff is a basketball analyst on ESPN. Um, this was Chris Beard's return to Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> last year. It was a crazy, crazy environment because they hate Chris Beard. Chris Beard took Texas Tech to the national title in men's college hoops. Uh, he jumps to go to Texas, which is why it's like Alex Cora going to manage the Yankees pretty much. And uh, Chris Beard's return to Lubbock, return to Texas Tech. You know, it's it's like this. The Texas Tech fan base is just spewing vitriol at Chris Beard for the first 20 minutes. At halftime, Dallin Cuff says, this is awesome. Like, there needs to be more hate in college basketball. <laughs> there and needs I, to be more hate. I, I think we need more, like, Bumgarner and Muncie, like, go get it out of the fucking ocean, or Harper, Strickland. Like, we need more shit like that, man. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, before we get to the last buzzword here, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, is he, is he Barry Bonds meets Ricky Henderson meets... <laughs> Nolan Ryan, what's the deal? He he looks like it right now, man. I mean, he's just running all over the base paths however he wants, you know, leading the league in stolen bases, walking a ton. That's an impossible league to hit in offensively, and he's putting up good numbers. He he's just crazy. I think he's he's game changer type of of athlete. You know, everything that we like about O'Neill Cruz, I think put a more fluid athlete. Uh he, he could take the, the league by storm next year if he gets a chance, if he gets a chance, which is I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this guy can do. What I'm seeing in the winter league is is just solidifying it even further. I think he's going to make a mockery of AAA next year and then potentially take the league by storm if he can cut cut down a little bit on the chase. So the way you have your top 100 structured right now, it's it's Carroll 1, Gunnar Henderson 2, G-Rod 3, Ellie De La Cruz 4. Carroll and G-Rod or Carroll and Gunner will be on the opening day roster for the Diamondbacks and the Orioles respectively. Grayson Rodriguez, I maybe a start in AAA. Like he should crack the opening day rotation with Baltimore. So it, as it's structured right now, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that Ellie De La Cruz becomes the top prospect in all of baseball, no? Yeah, just about, unless Jordan Walker has something to say about it. Um, he he really floored me in the uh, in the fall league. So I would say it's, it's very likely Ellie De La Cruz, but Jordan Walker's... Jordan Walker is hard to deny. It's hard to rule that guy out, you know, but when we talk about dynamic, just ability in the ceiling, it, it's gotta be Ellie, but it's not like Jordan Walker is some normal size guy, like, like Corbin Carroll, right? He's six, six, four, six, five yeah. moves. So it's, it's pretty fun. I, I'm looking forward to losing sleep over him versus Ellie when the other guys are uh, graduated. Yeah, I understand. Last one before we get to the non-tendered guys. Uh, the Mets believe Jacob deGrom prefers to stay if contract offers are similar elsewhere. What See, that that's, that's, that's bullshit. That's something <laughs> I could report. That's something I absolutely could report. Like that's such bullshit. Oh, the Mets believe. So first you're not even saying that like anybody said anything. You're saying that the team that is ho- hoping to retain the best pitcher in baseball when healthy uh, is assuming 
that the player that they drafted and took a chance on and helped develop and, you know, as a converted infielder and have had him play his entire career with them, you're saying that they think that he wants to possibly stay there more than go anywhere else if the money was the same. Wow. Thank you for that report. Here's the other thing. I I understand, like, you can't outsource this. Like, it's never going to happen. But when you say Mets believe Jacob deGrom prefers to stay, I could Who, Mr. Met? I was going to say like ticket office intern or <laughs> like something like that, right? But even if they do, even if the GFs, even if it's Steve Cohen, noted Mets fan, like of course he he believes and hopes oh, that. No, oh, he'll stay. Yeah, the optimistic yeah. Mets people. The Braves, the Braves thought that Freeman preferred to stay in Atlanta, right? And he probably did. Money talks. <laughs> Judging on the language and the tears at the press conference, it yeah. like he did prefer to stay in Atlanta. He did very much, but money talks. Money talks. All right, we're going to go to the non-tendered guys here, and we're going to roll through the list alphabetically by team. Pipeline did a great job, or it's not even Pipeline, it's MLB.com. Uh, MLB.com did a great job you know, organizing this alphabetically by team. The way non-tendered works, like, like we just explained, um, there are guys whose name have zero impact here that you're going to be like, who is this? And then there are guys that, that make you pause. So we're going to fly through the guys that, you know, minor league free agent deal. Um, and when there are guys that could actually help a major league baseball team in 2023, we're going to stop and stick on them for a little bit. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that, um, in case it just like came off unclear, I'm fairly positive that, you can only non-tender somebody in arbitration. So if it's pre-arb, it's that you just there you just go right. Like if it's pre-arb, it's league minimum. Yeah, there's no decision on whether to tender a contract. I'm pretty sure. But if they're arbitration eligible, then that's where you have the decision of whether you want to you know tender them a contract and then go into those negotiations. And then eventually, you have until January 13th once you tender a contract to you know work something out or you go to arbitration. Are you sure about that? I think you can non-tender pre-arb guys. Like there are pre-arb guys on this list. Are there really? Yeah. And like, why is Braylon Marquez on this list? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, dude, baseball rules are so weird. They're weird. We should know them, but they're really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can non-tender pre-arb guys. Cause I think Marquez was a 40 man guy. It's anybody on your 40 man that has not agreed to a contract in 2023. You have the right to tender a pre-arb deal which is the league minimum, or you can tender an arbitration deal, which, you know, then is, is its own can of worms. That is insane. Do you understand bird rights like that in the end? Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going into that. Absolutely not fucking going into that. I don't get bird rights and stipend rule and anything like that. So I, I do want to understand those. I will make a concerted effort to understand those for next year. When we talk about guys that are non-tendered and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's start with, Anaheim, lefty Jonathan Diaz, Tuki Toussaint, Nash Walker, a right-handed pitcher, and Rob Zastrany, a lefty. Those were the four guys that were non-tendered. Obviously, the name recognition here is with Tuki Toussaint. Um, Parts of five big league seasons. Tuki in 2022, eight appearances, six coming out of the bullpen, 25 and a third innings, 26 punch outs, but he had a 4-6 ERA and he walked 19 guys in 25 innings. Um Tukey was a late bloomer, right? He was like very, very raw first round pick by Arizona in 2014. He was yeah. 97 with this crazy Snapdragon curveball, uh, and, and it just never panned out. I, I faced him in 2014. Did you? <laughs> he was just 
Yeah, he was disgusting. He uh, he came and pitched at our high school, and um, obviously there was like thirty scouts there or more. Um, he was on 35, 40 pitch count. We actually got to him uh, because he wasn't locating the breaking ball and we were just cheating for the fastball. And and our eight hitter just stuck the bat out, uh, inside out, down the first baseline and, and got him out of there like 30, 30, 35 pitches. But I'll tell you what, when we saw him that day, we were like, man, he's going to figure it out. This guy's going to be a problem. Like I would have bet my life on him being a first round pick and, and beyond that, you know, being a good baseball player. And, you know, he's, racked up a decent amount of service time at this point, but obviously far from, you know, what we thought he would be and could be when he was drafted in the first round there. I'm still, I I refuse to fully give up on this guy. He's got like the perfect pitcher's body. He's 26 years old. Uh, The VWO has been inconsistent, but he sits still 93, 94. He's trying to figure out what works better, the sinker, the four seamer. He also has a splitter and a curve. I think he's just got to figure out what he can command the best. And that's really just been the issue for him is he just can't throw strikes. And ultimately that could do him in, but I I just think he's too athletic and too talented at 26 years old. You got to give him another year or two to, to try to work it out. I, I could see a team that with a good track record of developing arms, you know, giving him a chance. I believe he's a 40 man arm that, that might agree to a minor league free agent deal, but you know, certain incentives, if he does crack the big league roster, you're right. He gets in the right situation. He finds the right pitch mix and he he develops just this teensy amount of confidence that can snowball with how good the stuff is. Um, I, I do think that he is a major league reliever at some point uh, in the next couple of years. I do. I don't think Tuki Toussaint's career is over by any stretch. No, uh, not at all. Josh James was the only guy non-tendered by the Astros right-hander at a seven ERA in 28 appearances in triple a. He didn't appear uh, in the majors in 2022. I, I don't know anything. Another South Florida guy. It was like a 34th round pick. He's got nasty stuff. He'll land somewhere as a, as a potential reliever uh, for somebody. That's another guy that'll get picked up. Oakland, Diolis, Guerra, Jared Koenig, David McKinnon. Guerra is a righty. Koenig is a lefty. David McKinnon, obviously the one that looked like, you know, <laughs> we have Thor at home. Thor at yeah. home is David McKinnon. Uh, any of these guys have intrigue for you? No. Not really. I mean, the, the McKinnon will land somewhere else and be a quadruple A guy. I, I'm, I'm not really. I don't think any of those guys are notable compared to the some of the other names. He might need a reunion with the Angels. He might need to be a Salt Lake B in 2023. Dave. Yeah. Um. All right. Toronto. Vinny Capra, an infielder. Not much on Vinny Capra, but how about the two outfielders, Rymel Tapia and Bradley Zimmer? Tapia was one of the headliners of guys that were non-tendered. Tapia can help a big league team, not as an everyday guy, not as a platoon guy. I think Rymel Tapia can absolutely be a fourth outfielder, speed and defense. And hey, if you need a ball on the ground, he's your guy. <laughs> oh, whenever you need that that six four three double play, you got your guy waiting. But no, I mean he's he again another guy that's too talented. He's been around too long at the big league level to to not get another look. But again, better options that we'll get to. Yeah, so slash 265, 292, 380. Uh, other one is Bradley Zimmer, who is just downright terrible uh, over <laughs> the last couple of years. Zimmer, let's see, this year, 109 games. Can you even guess what he slashed? This is incredible. I think he had like a sub 500 o- OPS, right? Yeah. 480? No. What was it? He had a 435 OPS. Jesus. 109 games. He slashed 124, 207, 229. 
guess what? He's going to land somewhere. Because <laughs> he's 6'4", 185, and built like an absolute freak show. And plays all over, and yeah, someone will take a chance. What if he figures it out? Yeah. <laughs> You're hitting 124 over 100. I'm, I'm telling games. you. I'm telling you, there's much better options, which we'll get to. But yes, I'm telling you, which, by the way, there's an article on just baseball.com. We'll have it linked in the podcast description that our guy Clay Snowden put together of like the best non-tender or, or the best players that were not tendered, you know, that, that can be picked up now in free agency. There's a lot of really good ones. We'll get to them. A lot of the names that we'll talk about here. Um, but, you know, if you want to read a little bit more on these guys, uh, Clay Snowden did a great job on that article for just baseball.com. Uh, Braves, Silvino Bracho, a right-hander. Guillermo Heredia is is an interesting outfielder thrown into the one-year free agent fold. Uh, Alan Rangel, a right-hander. Jackson Stevens, a right-hander, and another right-hander, Brooks Wilson. Heredia is the the only name that jumps out to me. Like, yeah, this is a quadruple-A guy now. Yeah, 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 he's a quadruple-A guy. That's about it. Um, Brewers, Trevor Gott, Yandel Gustav, and Luis Perdomo, three right-handed pitchers. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Uh, Cardinals. Let's start with Deluzio, and then we'll get to Alex Reyes. Ben Deluzio can flat out fly, and and he got a very, very brief cameo up with the big club in 2022. Mm -hmm. For the most part, he was in Memphis. Um, He's a really good contingency plan waiting in AAA, I think. I don't know if he can hit enough. He's not going to impact the ball enough, but this guy is – as fast as they possibly yeah. come. And it, I don't know, he, he's worth, I don't know, a 40 man spot, but he's worth like being in an organization. I think he could be worth the 40 man spot. You know, like that, that's speedy fourth outfielder, late game pinch runner type of guy. Um, especially with the, with the extra innings rule that, that we have now and in the regular season where, you know, you can pinch run a guy and throw him on second base. I, I think that there's a, there's a value to a, a Ben Deluzio. And, and I, still think that his bat can get there and by get there i just mean be good enough to be a fourth outfielder which is like high 600s ops he's somebody that's super tooled up and i think if he was in a different org we probably would have seen him retained but you look at the outfield situation not only currently but also through the minor leagues as well for the st louis cardinals organization and you know they don't need a ben deluzio and and they didn't have room on the on the 40 man roster for him but um he he'll be i think fairly coveted uh i think that'll be one of the more popular underrated names in the minor league uh you know free agent market i think so and we're gonna get to another guy uh that was non-tendered by a team in the nl central in the outfield that it should be very highly coveted in the uh low or zero days uh service time mm-hmm. ranks um uh, Sorry to cut you off, by the way. I just want to hammer this again to make sure that we're not confusing people. You were absolutely right. I was able to dig it up in the meantime. So the difference is obviously the pre-arbitration players have no say in their forthcoming salary. And the reason why we rarely see pre-arbitration players, you know, get non-tendered, it's because obviously it's a pretty easy decision to to tender a contract to a guy for the minimum. Uh, So they've got to really just be taking up space uh, for you to non-tender them or you have to feel like, you know, they're just not going to contribute anytime soon as they take up that 40 man spot. So just wanted to clarify that one more time. You were right initially and you got it. Let's go. Alex Reyes okay. is absolutely worth a roster spot. Um, 
he has accrued five years of service time. So he is a third year arbitration eligible guy. So Mm -hmm. he falls into the Bellinger bucket where yes, he's absolutely worth the roster spot. Is he worth the $7 million that he was going to get or the $6 million that he was going to get? And the answer for the Cardinals is no. The answer around baseball is probably no. This guy has been hurt time and time again. He didn't throw it all in 2022, but in 2021, he was an all-star and we saw what, a four, maybe five pitch mix out of the bullpen and a closer role can do, and it can net you an all-star appearance and you can be coveted as one of the most disgusting relievers in the game. That That's what the Cardinals do. Alex Reyes has always had the stuff. The question has always been, how many times is he going to tow the rubber for your team in a given year? You have no idea if this guy's going to stay healthy. Sandy Alcantara, former organization mate, tweeted, we need Alex Reyes uh, in yeah. Miami, something like that. I would love to see Alex Reyes as a Miami Marlin. Oh, I mean, it would be the perfect fit. I mean, the Marlins need a stuff guy in the bullpen. Um, he would be their closer if healthy pretty much immediately. I believe there's a tie, whether it's it's there's a brother of somebody who's the agent of Sandy. Like there, there's a tie to Alex Reyes, which is why he tweeted that. Um, Reyes, I mean, his story we could we could spend a, a lot of time on alone. Is I mean ironically when when Sandy Alcantara was traded to the Marlins Reyes was was an untouchable uh when, when Ozuna was traded over to the Cardinals I mean Reyes was a top starting pitching prospect in baseball one of the top for a while um health issues continue to hold him back and that's why he moved to the bullpen where he was phenomenal command issues a little bit as well and you know we, we saw what he can do out of the bullpen I, I do have concerns that the injuries are are fairly severe and I think that's why the Cardinals also were a little bit more willing to to let him go. Um, I think they feel as though these injuries are are not going to get better anytime soon and that he would probably be out for the majority of the season. And this is a team that we're kind of expecting to spend this offseason. It seems like they're, they're going to make some moves there. So you want to try to save a penny or two when you can. But for some other teams out there, it, it's a no-brainer to take a chance here on an Alex race, especially if you're a smaller market team that you know can't afford the elite relievers, we've seen what the market price is now. We talked about that in previous episodes, Jack. Like, this is your chance to kind of fall into a elite closer opportunity here for very cheap if he can get right physically. So th- the way this works is they become free agents. So that doesn't just mean that they have to sign a, a one-year deal. This no. means that Alex Reyes could sign a two- or three-year contract with a team. I can promise his contract will be heavily incentivized. But he's one of the few guys on this list that will probably sign a multi-year deal after being non-tendered. Yeah, his will be interesting. I I think with the injury concerns, I wonder. And and I I think what he signs to will be a little bit of a clue for us into what kind of – how severe these injuries are with his shoulder. Um, If he gets a two-year deal, then there's a team out there that – was encouraged by the medicals or encouraged by what you know what they were able to see and, and hear from from him. I think it's a lock that we're going to get a vesting option of sorts that absolutely Carlos like Rodon it's, had. It, it's going to be a creative contract for sure, which yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see. I think it's whoever gives him. I think the the safest baseline because I'm sure this guy just wants to you know be you know make some money and and support his family and then. Who's willing to give him the most upside? Who's willing to reward him? You know, if you hit 30 innings, 40 innings, 50 innings, how much are you going to give him in incentives? You know, I, I think about Richard Sherman, you know, when he was out for a while off the Achilles and, you know, there was a lot of teams that wanted him, but it was ultimately the Niners that were willing to give him a lot of escalators in that contract. And he hit the escalators and it worked out for him. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I am very excited to see 
what the market looks like for him. Yeah, uh, the Cubs, they non-tender three guys, lefty Braylon Marquez, uh, righty Alexander Vizcaino, who came over um, with um, what's uh, Kevin Alcantara, right, in the in the Rizzo deal? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah and, then, and then, like, never saw the field with the Cubs. Dealt with dealt with issues beyond the baseball field, and um, yeah. I, I don't think he ever really planned to, 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 to pitch with the Cubs much. I, and it sounds like it, he wants to go back to New York. There's some reports I was reading, so I, that's kind of crazy how that would work. Um, but yeah, he he's he could really talented, but uh, you know, never never really got a chance. Yeah, and then Rafael Ortega, another guy that you know, outfielder, great, perfect. Uh, this guy, you yeah. know, did make five starts with South Bend in 2021, 13 and two thirds innings across six appearances at a five two ERA. Like, we'll we'll see what he does. Marquez is the interesting one with the Cubs, and and Braylon Marquez was yeah the Cubs' top pitching prospect for quite a while like electric fastball, like a hundred mile an hour fastball from the left side. Yeah. What's former top 100 prospect is a former top 100 prospect. He's 23. Yeah. I mean, this fastball from the left side is, is upper nineties, triple digits. He's touched one Oh two. Nasty breaking ball. Command was a question. It still is. And health is a major question as well, but Again, this is a guy we were talking about on the call up when we were going through the 40 man decisions that needed to be made uh, with, with a lot of prospects. And yeah, how a lot of the underrated, nasty lefty reliever prospects that were getting surprisingly protected that weren't on teams top 30 lists. It's because everybody's looking for that that lefty bullpen piece that you know those guys kind of emerge out of nowhere. And I can already see in a year or two from now where Braylon Marquez is coming out of the bullpen for, for whatever team, you know, and we're saying, oh, wow, oh, there he is. We, we, we always thought he could be nasty and glad he figured it out, you know, and um, I, it's very possible because this is arguably the most talented non-tendered arm. Uh, when you when you look at what he's able to do, a six six lefty triple digits fastball and a hammer for a breaking ball. I mean, he could he could be a lights out back end guy. We'll see what happens. Uh, Diamondbacks non-tender one, righty Reyes Maranta, who is a quadruple-A reliever. He's 5'10", 265. Like, you want to see a unit? That's that's a fucking unit. So shout out Reyes Maranta for for that build, because that build is not replicated by many. The the elephant in the room was non-tendered by the Dodgers, but let's start with the two guys before him, Edwin Rios and Luke Williams. Edwin Rios, the arc for him is bizarre and, and he's got a lot of talent he does the question is is it going to click and I, I think the Dodgers just said no it, it's not going to at least for us this is another guy that I think a different organization maybe they give him another year um you know he's so talented as you mentioned but he is already 28 years old and what's crazy though is even at the big league level when we get little snippets of Rios he's pretty good he played 27 games last year and in those 27 games a 793 OPS he had seven homers in, in 92 plate appearances this is a guy that can help a lot of teams that are very starved for hitting you know you, you look at uh, some of the other you know lesser offensive teams in baseball and and you could have plugged Rios into a lot of them last year and I think he would help them um and and I I think he's somebody that's definitely going to have a lot of teams interested injuries really derailed things for him because you look at what he did in 2019 in, in a brief uh 
cameo at the big league level. Then it's same thing in 2020 uh, and a little bit more of a look at the big league level where he was fantastic. And then we were talking about him as one of those underrated candidates last year to potentially eat into some big time playing time with the Dodgers. And then injuries really, really hampered him. You look at the numbers through the minor leagues. He is always raked. This is a guy that if he gets the opportunity somewhere else and, you know, he's just is able to stay on the field. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up an above average offensive season. You think so? You think like you could see a 730, 740 OPS season from him? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he's healthy. Uh, Does Luke Williams get a non-tendered count as a non-tender for the Marlins? (laughs) No, he got claimed by the Dodgers. So I I, I guess it's a non-tender for both. And by the way, on, on Rios, sneaky 112 career games at this point, 291 career plate appearances across four years now at the big league level. 791 OPS. Holy shit. Yeah. Huh. Platoon guy, I think, at the least. I know he was great in, I think, 2018 was his first 20, year. 2019. 2019. He had like a he had like a, a thousand OPS. Yeah, 10 10 OPS and 56 plate appearances. Then the subsequent year only got 83 plate appearances and had a 946 so OPS. So, so it, very limited, but the guys mash through the minors. And when he's gotten a chance at the big leagues, he's hit. It's just the Dodgers got, they've got too many other guys. Like you're going to tell Vargas to wait. You know, there, there's too many more talented young guys that they probably want to give those looks to. Yeah. Folks, Cody Bellinger got non tendered. Uh, the 2017 NL Rookie of the Year. 2019 NL MVP uh, his MVP season. This guy hit 305 with a 1035 OPS, 47 homers, 115 driven in. Since then, he is OPSed 789 in 2020, 56 games. Okay, pretty solid from Bellinger. He was, you know, really helpful for them in that World Series run in 2020. 2021, 95 games. The guy had a 542 OPS. Like he was the worst hitter in baseball. Slashed 165, 240, 302. And then this year, played 144 games. Slashed 210, 265, 389. 19 homers, 68 driven in. He struck out 150 times in 144 games. Bellinger will give you gold glove caliber defense. Cody Bellinger has won an MVP award in recent memory. Like this presidential term pretty much in a four-year span. Bellinger is what, 26 years old, 27 years old? 27. 27. 27. I mean, obviously he's going to provide value to a team that signs him. The question is, is he going to hit a buck 70 or are you getting MVP Bellinger? Chances are somewhere in between. The big worry is that he's going to be closer to worst hitter in baseball than he is MVP. It's it's just so wild. It, it's it's really hard for me to to wrap my head around. I think it's hard for a lot of baseball fans and people who cover the game to really wrap their head around. Right, a a fall from grace the way we've seen with Cody Bellinger to go from MVP to non tendered as we talked about it. You, you just don't see that. You don't even really see MVP to below average player very often at all. The thing is, is what really makes Bellinger a, a no-brainer is a no-brainer addition to just about any team that doesn't have a proven center fielder is the defense, as you mentioned, and of course what he has formerly done. It's really funny because, you know, as we've just grown and, and especially as I've pushed out of the Marlin circles and, you know, just have my feed more littered with with people all across the game. I, I cannot tell you how many times I saw someone who covers X 
team saying Cody Bellinger would be a great, you know, low risk, high reward pickup for, you know, this team. Like, obviously, he's a former MVP. He's an elite defender in center field. Uh, Obviously, he's a great low risk, high reward pickup for just about any team in Major League Baseball. Um, that's the crazy part is Bellinger's going to have his choices and the Dodgers are still one of them. I think the Dodgers will offer him a contract at, at some level to return. It's just whether somebody beats it. And then this is another example of, you know, what is Bellinger looking for? Is it multiple years? Is it uh, you know, a vesting option? Does he just want a lot of incentives? Does he believe that he can write this ship in a one-year deal is all he wants? Like it's going to be very interesting to see how Cody Bellinger wants to tackle this. And we'll say a little bit about, you know, maybe where he feels as a player. Uh, if he takes the three-year deal at lower AAV, you know, that might tell you a little bit of, of how he feels about where he's at. He might feel pretty lost. If he thinks that he can figure this thing out, Maybe he takes a one-year deal and and is ready to prove it and hit free agency next year. So I'm very interested to see what Bellinger wants. I think teams are going to be willing to bend a little bit and and give him what he wants because this is one of the most incredibly intriguing non-tendered guys we we've really ever seen ever ever. Uh, two yeah. years ago, Carlos Rodon was non-tendered by the White Sox. Um, that was mm-hmm. going into last year, and, and Rodon was an All-Star. He was a Cy Young candidate, and he you know, signs a two-year $44 million deal with San Francisco. If I'm not mistaken, he opts out. He hits the open market. Uh, he may very well sign an $100 million deal this offseason. So yep. you can see how those things work in an interesting way. Um, yep. The White Sox obviously brought Rodon back, but Rodon did not have the suitors the way that Bellinger will have the suitors. Yeah. Uh, and spot track, real quick, spot track. Top five trending players in Major League Baseball on spot track, which is the end-all be-all for contractual situations. If you want to know anything contractually across any sport, spot track is the place to go. S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Number five, Jacob deGrom. Number four, Mike Trout. Number three, Ronald Acuna Jr. Number two, Cody freaking Bellinger. Number one, Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer's market value, according to spot track, is 6.6 million. Brandon Nimmo is 21.2. Is Bellinger more valuable than Kevin Kiermaier? Yes. Um, I think at this stage, because I think Bellinger is going to give you better defense at this point. If, if you were getting, you know, prime Kiermaier defense, I think it's, it's probably Kevin Kiermaier, right? Because Kevin Kiermaier is, you look at the numbers pretty much a guarantee to at least be within striking distance of a league average WRC plus Bellinger. If, if it's not, if he's, if he's not right, if it's the duplication of last year, he's, he's again, like you said, one of the worst hitters in baseball. So it, it's again, it's, it's how risk averse are you? Um, if I'm the, I'm just using them as an example because non-tendered players like the, the, the Marlins should be having a field day. Um, if, if you're the Miami Marlins, I think you're more willing to roll the dice and and go for the upside guy in Cody Bellinger that even if he's 50% of his MVP self, he's probably the second best hitter on the team. But if you go to you know, the Dodgers, maybe they're like, the rest of our lineup is great. We just don't want a gaping hole. And if we feel like Kevin Kiermaier is going to replace the defense, who that's another guy that they've checked in on or been interested in. I don't know what the exact buzzwords that were used for, for Kiermaier. Um they might just want to play it safe and say, we'll take the 90 WRC plus and, you know, the great defense and just not have to worry about it as much uh, with Ballinger. So I will say this though, Jack, what do you, what do you think the average on base percentage and slugging percentage 
was for a center fielder in Major League Baseball this year. And it, what's crazy is this is inflated by Aaron Judge a little bit, but um, I know it's not that much because it's a huge sample size here. But what do you think the average OPS was for a center fielder in Major League Baseball this past year? Um, little under 700 flat. I'll say 692. Yeah. 692. That was great, guys. Okay. So the point is, is center field is a glove first position. And even in a game where shortstops rake and, you know, a lot of the positions where it's just really about guys are just raking center field is, is going to, I think, be able to withstand that as, as long as possible because of how valuable the defense is out there and, and all of these different stadiums and uh, with how much fly balls, you know, how many fly balls we're seeing hit now too. It's just way more valuable. So Bellinger does not need to be close to offensive Cody Bellinger, MVP Cody Bellinger to be a phenomenal pickup. So I'll ask you this. Do you give Cody Bellinger two years of $10 million each year? Are you willing to do that for the the chance of him being even close to what he has once been capable of? I've, I've thought really long and hard about this. Like I, I spent a lot of time this weekend thinking about the kind of contract that Cody Bellinger could get. And and I, I settled on, well, he's probably going to agree to one year nine and, and try it again next year. But if I was a team to separate myself instead of, hey, what's the richest one-year deal I can get, prove-it deal I can get, um, I think a two-year deal with a club option for a third makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the club option takes things out of his hands, so you need to up the ante a little bit. I settled on two years for 27. You'd give him that much. So that's 13.5 annually with a club option for 12 the third year. You'd give him that much. I, I would. I really would because he is arguably the best defensive center fielder in uh, – he's not like Michael Harris is a better defensive center fielder. Straw is a better defensive center fielder. But Bellinger like is a perennial gold glove candidate, and he will be – he's 27 years old. Like he will be for the next five years. He's going to be one of the best. He's not slowing down. Yeah. No, he's not. So the question is the bat. How much are you willing to pay Miles Straw? The answer is probably eight. Bellinger has this insane helium that Miles Straw could never even dream of having. Yeah. So I, I do think he can get 13, 13 and a half AAV. For what it's worth, Bellinger took a step in the right direction this season, which is really hard to believe. But you look at the 47 WRC plus this year, 210, 265, 389 slash, which isn't great. That's 83 WRC plus. But if you assume that he can build on that even just a little bit, right? He had 19 home runs. He stole 14 bags on 17 tries. Like if he can just find a way to to even get on base a little bit better, right? He didn't walk at all. He used to walk more. I think he's cheating more. He's more aggressive. He's just trying to catch one out front. If he can find a way to maybe reinvent himself a little bit, and, and just be more of a guy that's focused on getting on base and pounding mistakes. The other things that he does that he brings to the table, you know, I, I, he could still be a very productive player. Shelter him from lefties a little bit too. You know, all of a sudden you could squeeze out maybe a league average offensive season from this guy in center field. I, I, I think that's about right too. Uh, you know, when you put it in perspective of some of the other deals that other guys are getting, yeah. it, it's it's pretty fair to to say something in that range is 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 worth it given what you're guaranteed to get with the glove and, you know, what, what you could possibly get with the bat. If he looked like 2021 Bellinger, I'd say no, but he did make some improvements with his whiff rates this year. Again, believe it or not, he did. Uh, rock bottom was 2021, not 2022, which is quite hard to believe. And, and it's very encouraging. 
very, very encouraging that 2021 was rock bottom and not this past year when you get non Yes. So um, he made, what, $17 million after being the worst hitter in baseball in 2021? That's that's what happens when you set the bar so high for yourself, you know, right going and in, right in arbitration. Yeah, there we go. Shout out the heist. Um, all right, moving on to the Giants. They non-tendered a bunch of guys. Samuel Delaplane, Harleen Garcia, Mauricio Yavera, Dom Nunez, Drew Strotman, Mabris Villoria, Jason Vossler, Donnie Walton, Colton Welker, Alex yeah. Young. There's one name that jumps out here, and it is... Anyways, <laughs> I wasn't as locked in for all of the names. What was that? There were a lot. You want me to go through rapid fire again? Yes. And you see who you're talking about. That out. Yeah, that's notable. Uh, Samuel Delaplane, Harleen Garcia, Mauricio Yavera, Dom Nunez, Drew Strotman, Maybreece Valoria, Jason Vossler, Donnie Walton, Colton Welker, Alex Young. So here's the thing. The the most notable name, technically speaking, is, is going to be Harleen Garcia, I think. But but there's another guy that's better. Colton Walker. Yes. So Harlan Garcia, before he gets to Colton Walker, because this is just being prospect heads, if if we think Colton Walker is the most notable player here. Harlan Garcia had a two six two as a lefty out of the pen for the Giants in 2021. Um he had a 0.68 whip. And that was following up a ridiculous 2020 campaign where in 18 innings, a small sample size, he gave up like one run. So this guy, I was surprised to see him non-tendered. He is going to have a lot of teams looking to pick him up as a lefty out of their pen. He wasn't even that bad last year. <laughs> like I, Again, I'm very surprised that this was the move they made. Yeah. Welker, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Injuries have, have you know beat him up a little bit since he was a fourth-round pick by the Rockies. He's raked through the minor leagues, and that's somebody that could be a good buy-low opportunity as well. Um, one of the most impressive hitters I ever saw growing up as well. Played some travel tournaments with him. He has made hitting look easy really since the get-go and was continuing to do it through the minor leagues. It's just where is he going to play defensively and how much power can he hit for? And I think, you know, if he goes to the right team, he can he can show that. Yeah. Um, Guardians. Anthony Ghost was non-tendered. Luke Maley was non-tendered. So obviously the Bo Naylor era is here if Maley is non-tendered. Um, you've got hedges and free agency as well, but they, I think they do believe that Naylor is the guy. If not, uh, it's probably via the trade market that they go and grab their catcher. Maley is not the backup <laughs> anymore. Anthony Ghost is uh, an outfielder that can hop on the bump and throw a hundred from the left side. Yeah. I mean, he throws fuzz. Uh, fastball, he has no idea where it's going, but <laughs> it, it averages 97, 98 miles an hour. My concern is if if the Guardians couldn't teach this guy how to pitch out of the pen, who's going to teach him how Nobody to pitch? Can. Maybe the Astros. Maybe. Maybe the Dodgers. Maybe. That's it. That's literally it. Uh, so we'll see. Mariners, Luke Weaver, Luis Torrens, and Brian O'Keefe. Torrens, I think, is a major league backup catcher. I do. Yeah. And he can play some other spots, which is kind of the interesting part, too, is he's an athletic guy. He even played two games at second base last year. So – if he's able to play multiple positions and, and rove around a little bit, backup catcher that, you know, in an emergency, you can slide somewhere else. The guy had a decent year in 2021. I mean, he, he's he's going to get an opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, I, he was really bad in 2022. Uh, but he's not that good of a catcher. That's the problem. Yeah. 2021, 108 games at a 730 OPS. 2022, 55 games at a 580 OPS. So not great. Um, yeah. Marlins, Brian Anderson and Nick Nider. Nider, generic right-handed arm. Uh, Anderson is a guy that you have ridden the experience and you sent a text. He's probably going to be a San Francisco Giant have a 3.2 F4 next year. 
Correct. Uh, dude, this guy can play baseball. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, he can play baseball. Um, is is he great? No, but he, he's a solid baseball player. Um, you look at his career stats, he got a 107 WRC plus over his 531 career games. He hits the ball hard. He's just, he's never been able to consistently tap into power. But we had a string here from 2018 to 2020 where he went 113 WRC plus, 114 WRC plus, 120 WRC plus. 2.9 F4, 2.7 F4, 1.7 F4. When he's on the field, he he's an above average big league player. And if that's a platoon guy that you can move, he plays phenomenal defense at third. He's been good in the outfield, struggled last year, has one of the best arms in the big leagues, though, out of right field, and is a above average hitter for his career. There's a lot of teams that I think he could serve a really good platoon role for. And if you had to plug him in as a regular because someone went down, he he would be fine. You would not be, you know, it wouldn't be a devastating drop off. Uh, you're seeing teams trade for Gio Urshela. I don't think Brian Anderson is that far off from the value that he can provide if he's healthy. No, he's not. Uh, the Mets, non-tender, Sean Reed Foley and Dom Smith. Dom, <laughs> Dom Smith, Smith, 58 games this past year, slashed 194, 276, 284. On his career, he's a 733 OPS guy, across 162 on average, 17 homers. That number's got to be higher. Um, like, What is he moving forward? I don't know. I don't know. Because the, the hardest part is he's a reverse splits guy. Yeah. So that yeah. that makes it difficult, too. Like, it's not like, okay, shell turn from left. He's, he's going to bash righties and, you know, we'll be in good shape. You look at his, you know, his best season was in 2020 where he went nuclear. Yeah, absolutely yeah. nuclear. Uh, and that I like uh, quite honestly, fuck the 2020 season because it's <laughs> created so many, uh, just it's, it's created so much confusion for like a prolonged amount of time. I mean, you look at what Kyle Lewis did in that 2020 season, he was good for 30 games. Okay. Uh, but Hey, how about 2019 for Dom Smith? 89 games had an that's the thing. OPS. So, and again, it was like 89 games. So you combine those, the 89 with the 50, you, you got a full season there roughly. And uh, it was great. Still, yeah. It, it's still only not even 400 plate appearances. So look, look he, he's a good bench bat. Um, I still he, think he is. I think he was frustrated with the limited playing time in New York at the end there. It's just, he doesn't give you anything defensively either. There's a reason why no teams traded for him. They wanted to trade him for a while. Um, teams were more interested in JD Davis than Dominic Smith. Cause at least that guy, you know what his role is. He's going to mash lefties and you'll know, stick him at third or first or DH Dom Smith. It's first first or DH and he doesn't have a preference. So he, if anything, his preference is left on left. It makes no sense. Yeah. He's going to land somewhere, but he doesn't really have a good contingency plan. That's the issue. Damn. That's sad. He was yeah. such a good prospect. Yep. Um. All right. The Nats, non-tender three guys, Eric Fetty, like finally. Oh, God. That was <laughs> the Marlins are experience. actually so pumped about that one. Holy crap. <laughs> that guy carved them. He's never seen anything like young. it. That was, that was, Peter made so many units off that. <laughs> Eric Fetty, non-tendered. Tommy Romero, also non-tendered by the Nats. And Luke Voigt was non-tendered by the Nats. Uh, Voigt, I actually think, is is a more valuable piece than Dominic Smith. Because Voigt, if you yes. give him like everyday reps, he could actually be a 30-homer guy next year. I wouldn't bat an eye if Voigt turned out to be a 25-30-homer guy. Obviously, low batting average, but who cares? I mean, 
Dude, he, he was like all right last year. <laughs> he could have been worse, right? I mean, 22 homers and after being the start that he had was so disastrous and then getting sent to basically Siberia in the Washington Nationals you know it was it was not a great situation for him he hit 22 home runs which ironically matches his 56 game total in the damn covid season uh, but you look at the numbers before that covid season really good as well this guy's 123 wrc plus in his career uh, he hits too many homers to not be a platoon option for somebody. He could add power to a lot of different lineups that desperately need it. He was playing every day for the Nationals and was like one of the only guys that actually was a threat. If he's not that on another team, I think he could be a really solid masher that you almost forget about is waiting for you in the back of the order and can punch you in the mouth when you're, you know, when you drop your hands a little, little bit as as a team or as a pitching staff. Tommy Romero is is a guy that I'm not willing to give up on either uh this is somebody that bounced around a little bit it came up with the raise doesn't throw hard a another guy that's funny a lot of these non-tender guys are south florida guys that i faced in high school but tommy romero was the guy that we faced in our district a lot and um has this invisible that he's always had and he went to juco after that and it was low 90s invisible and he climbed through the the race system with this low 90s fastball that similar to nestor Cortez just has that invisible takeoff that that so many pitchers covet that that riding action. The problem is Romero has not been able to find the secondaries to go with it. If he can even find average secondaries to go with it, he could be an interesting pitcher. I, I wonder if if the right team you know can help him develop a changeup, develop a breaking ball. I I guarantee he's going to be an option for a lot of teams. Look at his numbers through the minor leagues at, at certain points over the last couple of years. He has dominated through stretches. Yeah, and promise you it won't be the Nats that help him figure it out. Um, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Orioles non-tender, nobody. Padres non-tender, too. Efrain Contreras, minor league right-hander, fine. Jorge Alfaro. I'm shocked. I uh, can't believe it. I was he? thought he, he was great. Is he a big league center fielder? What's the deal? <laughs> the Marlins might bring him back to me. Uh, you know, I think... I think Alfaro is, is as athletic as they come, you know, as a catcher. He's got some thump. He was clutch this year. Uh, there's He's one of those guys that is just too talented. He's always going to get a, like a what-if chance until he's 34, and then it's like, okay, well, what are we saying what-if for at this point? Yeah, uh, but it's going to turn another, into another the Avi Garcia. Can... Speaking of the Marlins, it's going to turn into the Avi Garcia conversation where, like, everybody's holding out hope for Avi Garcia, and then it just never happens. Yep, yep, Um I don't think he's going to make 56 million in the process, but um, he's too talented, right? This guy, this, this guy's been a top 100 prospect or he was a top 100 prospect for years on end was traded from multiple organizations while still being a top 100 prospect, which should have been a little bit of a tell when a top 100 prospect gets passed around. I like Jeter downs as well. I like Taylor Trammell, right? Like those kind of guys that get passed around and they continue to be top 100 prospects. Might be a little bit of a clue that once you get up closer with them, you find some of those deficiencies and those holes. Um, that's exactly what was the case with Alfaro as he got traded for multiple organizations before really debuting. But again, he's going to be a guy that until he's 34, people are still going to be like, let's give this guy a shot and see what he can do. Right. Uh, Phillies, none. Pirates, none. Rangers, righty Nick Snyder. Anything? I don't know anything about Nick Snyder. I you could have made that name up. Yeah. I generic right-handed arm. Ryan Yarborough with Tampa. Really interesting. Yarborough is outdated. I think like, I actually think Ryan Yarborough is extinct from baseball. Um, I understand that there was a ton of soft contact generated by Yarborough, but 
you can't feel good if you're Kevin Cash sending Ryan Yarborough out to the hill in a Major League Baseball game. You know, very similar to, and I love this guy, Kyle Hendricks. I, I loved him for so long because he was perfect every time he stepped on the hill. But if you are not perfect with your command and you have that little stuff, you have that little chance or room for error, you are screwed. And Kyle Hendricks has gotten blasted with the Cubs. That contract looks terrible. Ryan Yarbrough, the Rays got out clean because they know, I think, that he's running out of those perfect outings. If this guy yeah. is not perfect, I, it it's terrible. Yeah, it, it, what's interesting is I see him as that perfect candidate to to sign with, like, well, let's say, Washington Nationals. And they have to literally fill up bodies in their rotation. And now you pick up a 30-year-old Yarbrough. If he has a sneaky, decent season at the deadline, you flip him for some prospects. He goes and pitches for a contender, right? Uh, I, I think that's going to be what we see. I, I think that's more likely than signs with a decent team and is a swing man. Um, I, I think he's going to want that opportunity to pitch and – and a crappy team could scoop him up because the reality is, I mean, there's there's a, there's still a market for a four or five ERA guy that eats innings. And yeah. I know he only threw 80 innings this year because he was in that swingman role. But the year prior, he was a 5-1-1 ERA guy in 155 innings. I, I think he could be a mid-fours guy and throw 150 innings and some team picks him up at the deadline to eat innings. Like it's that's called being a Washington National. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Congratulations, Ryan Yarbrough. You are a Washington National. Welcome to Siberia. (laughs) Um, Red Sox non-tender two, Franchi Cordero and Yu Chang. Neither of these guys are Major League Baseball players anymore. They oh, oh, don't don't ask our guy Colby Olson about Franchi Cordero. Nope, they are veteran AAA pieces. Franchi Cordero and Yu Chang. Cordero's cut from the same too toolsy and talented to to not offer him a minor league contract cloth. Um, he hits the living crap out of the ball, but he also like, he seems like he'd be a good defender cause he's toolsy, but he's not, he'll get a chance cause he hits the ball so hard. But I mean, yeah, he, he whiffs way too much and has major defensive deficiencies. So same deal, same deal with Aristides Aquino and, and the reds non-tender a bunch of them. Aquino, Alan Serda, who I want to spend some time on Kyle Dowdy, <laughs> Daniel Duarte, Jeff Hoffman, Derek Law, Jared Solomon, Art Warren. The two names that really jump out here are Serda and Aristides Aquino. Aquino, we know the book on him. 50% K rate, but when he hits it, the Punisher. And he's got like the strongest arm and he's also kind of fast. So I would like, so yeah, I would hate it if Aristides Aquino ended up on my favorite team, but I would also go to the ballpark and I'd say, hey, Aquino's in the lineup. That's kind of fun. We might see something crazy. No. I mean, and here's the thing, though. He's like the best defender. Like, he's the best corner outfield defender in baseball, right? I mean, <laughs> if you look at the metrics in right field, if he played enough games, I think he's a shoe in for the gold glove. He was, <laughs> didn't he lead in, in outs above average or defensive run, defensive run saved? I think he led 16 defensive runs saved in 560 innings. If I just made up a stat that was defensive runs saved per inning, I guarantee no one's sniffing that, uh, you know, with, with a minimum 100 innings played. Like yeah, this per, guy per 36, per nine innings. Yeah, there, there's no way. Uh, the problem is he actually can't hit the side of a barn. And I mean, he's getting carved up in the Dominican Winter League right now. I think he's hitting a buck 30 out there. He, he, the, with the defense, he's going to get a shot. But I mean, yeah, this guy's really brutal offensively. Yeah. Okay, another guy that was really brutal in 2022, but I'm holding out hope for is Alan Serda. And Serda, 
like was so bad that he got demoted and he still wasn't very good. 62 games in double as a 22 year old slashed 198, 350, 401. So he was walking. He just wasn't, you know, getting hits. Um, he goes to Dayton. He repeats high A. He spent 21 games in Dayton in 2021. He was really good there. But in 2022, 62 games in Dayton slashes 219, 374, 88. He gets on base. He still had an 803 OPS this year in 124 games, had an 884 OPS in 87 games in 2021. Again, he is 22 years old. He turns 23 on Thanksgiving. Uh, he is absolutely worth a 40 man spot for a lot of teams. A lot of teams. If if you are, you know, really looking for bats in your system, uh, he's worth a shot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really amazing. I was shocked that they didn't send him a contract. I think if, if they didn't replenish the system the way they have the rights over the last year and a half, Sarah is a no brainer to keep, you know, now they have so many guys through this system that rake that, you know, they had the decision to make this guy's six, three, 200 plus pounds. Like you said, hits the crap out of the ball. Like he's got crazy power potential. And you look at what he could do with the glove also in the corner. I think he could be an above average defender out there. He walks a decent amount. He's going to be a, a popular prospect target that was not tendered here. And I, I'm still holding out hope that he could be a 30 home run guy, low batting average, give you some good defense in a corner. And, you know, it's, it's valuable in today's game. Me too. Me too. Hey, you know how much I like Serda. Um, Big, big fan. Rockies non-tender Garrett Hampson, utility guy. They've, they've got enough of those. And and with who's coming up, like, they, they were fine. Royals, especially non- with Judge, yeah. Judge probably yeah. coming to Colorado. They don't, yeah, they don't Judge and Nimmo and, and Nimmo and trading for Otani. Like it's yes. tough. They they don't need him. Yeah, yeah, no, they're good. Uh Royals non-tender Jake Brents and Nate Webb. Brents lefty, fine. Nate Webb don't know much about him. Uh This officially marked the end of the Al Avila era in Detroit. All the Avila (laughs) guys were non-tender. Jamer Candelario was non-tendered. Candelario is another one that we're going to get to here in a moment. But Candelario, Brendan Davis, not Brendan Davis, Brendan Davis, an infielder. Harold Castro, Willie Castro, Michael Papirski, (laughs) who I kind of like, Miguel Diaz, and Kyle Funkhauser, all (laughs) non-tender. Jamer Candelario is obviously the headliner here. He's probably the second best non-tendered guy on this list after Bellinger, right? He very well might be. Um, that this was one of the like not surprising because I think they like you said they wanted to kind of clean house and and start fresh. But Candelario is over the last two years, meaning twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, he was he was really good, man. He was a really good offensive player, and last year was bad, but it wasn't some unfathomably terrible disaster of a season right he was on the same team of everybody else struggling around him and that that shit is contagious man and it really is especially when you're playing in comerica where it is just where offense goes to die you look at his splits too, home road like he was much better away from there as well which makes sense given that it is really awful to hit there 94 wrc plus away 64 wrc plus at home neither are great albeit but you know it is it is worth noting that in this horrible year he did slug 90 points higher on the road so you know i i really do think he's going to bounce back and i think there's going to be a lot of teams that are willing to 
you know, test the waters and, and see if he can bounce back. There's a lot of teams that could use a third baseman in, in today's game. You know, there's really no in between. It's either elite or, you know, fill in. And there's a lot of teams that are the latter. And at 28 years old, going to be 29 in a few days, Candelario can help a lot of teams. Yeah, I, I do think so. Another guy that jumps out here, I don't need to spend time on the Castros. I do like Michael Papirski a good bit. Papirski was a guy that played 39 games between San Fran and Cincinnati. Five with San Fran, 34 with Cincinnati. Uh, the numbers were not good. Slash 143, 228, 187. But this, this is a big guy behind the plate. He is a switch hitting catcher. He provides a little bit of value. I do think he is the third catcher in an organization. He is in AAA waiting to get the bump up if an injury does occur. Um, so I, I don't mind him. Funkhauser was a guy that was really fun at Louisville. And I was just kind of shocked that he didn't really put it together, but that kind of feels like the tiger thing, right? They, they always grab pitchers that just never really seem to put it together out of college. Yeah. I mean, Funkhauser falls in the same bucket as Alex Fiedo, who falls in the same bucket as Casey Mize at the moment. The only guy to kind of break that trend recently is Tarek Skubal. And even then Skubal's hurt. What are we going to get from Skubal post-injury? Yeah. And, and Funkhauser's hurt as well. Um, I don't think he pitched all of last year. He's dealing with a shoulder issue. You know, that might say a little bit more about you know, how the, the Tigers there's, feel about his arm issue. There's something about the Tigers and like durability with these guys. Yeah. I mean, what's going on? I can speak to one thing and I'll say it a little bit more now since there's been a changing of the guard, but, you know, just, just speaking to some players within that org um, through the years and, and more recently, even, it seems to be one of those where it was, you know, under Alavila, a very hands-off organization, you know, not much invested in the player development and, and not much really paying attention to to their guys, especially if they weren't one of their main, 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 main guys. Um, and when you do that, you know, you, you leave yourself exposed to to players getting, you know, slipping through the cracks or or not really maintaining themselves or, or getting to the best of their ability, like a lot of other guys. And I can tell you that the player development that we saw in terms of success on the field uh, behind the scenes, it, it would kind of check out, you know, um, they, they were not doing things the right way there. And I think, you know, under Harris, they're going to start doing that a lot better now. Yeah. Um, all right. Last three guys that got non-tendered were all by the white Sox: Adam Angle, Mark Payton, Denny Mendick. Mark Payton, shout out St. Rita. Uh, this was a, a guy that bounced around for a while, found his way back home to the south side of Chicago, but was not good enough to command a 40-man spot. Danny Mendick, like he's not going to give you anything Lenin Sosa isn't next year. So I, I think they probably viewed him as that kind of same thing as um, Gilbert Sanchez going unprotected in the Rule 5. Like these guys are just not going to give you anything that that Sosa isn't going to. And they need to be a lot better than Danny Mendick playing 100 games for the White Sox next year. Um, and, and then Adam Angle is a guy that I think is going to get picked up by a major league team because when he's on the field, he's one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball. He just can't really hit. Yeah, fourth outfielder type. Yeah, um, I think so. There's always a market for those guys. And you look at what he did last year. He played a little bit of center field where he was two outs above average, a little bit of – left field where he was fine. I think he was zero outs above average. He only played seven innings there. And then in right field, he was an out above average. So limited playing time and was above average at, you know, every spot in the outfield swipe 12 bags. He could do a little bit of everything. I, I think this is somebody that fits the perfect fourth outfielder profile, which is usually the non-tender guys that we see, but we get a little bit more upside than, than the typical with some of the other dudes. hundred percent. All right. 
let's arm. Um, we, I think right before we hit record, I said, oh yeah, this is going to be about 40 minutes and we ended up going about an hour. So yeah, it makes sense. Congrats to us on that. Great. Uh, all right. Peter and I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll see what happens the rest of the week. I'm sure we'll do something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do something. So we'll see. All right, guys, we'll talk to you. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.